0: Hey guys, Carl here, coming to you from New York City. Molly's back in Australia, apparently building a small empire of ants and lizards. (sighs) I miss her a lot, and her weird, interesting hobbies. But she and Matt will be back with us soon. For this special season in the US, we'll be hearing from American kids. And my co-host Shumita is from the States too. Okay, let's get into it. Shamita said she had a great story for me today. Happy birthday to you.
1: Hey, Carl, let me tell you a little story about Ambika's 70th birthday. birthday.
0: Yay! Oh, wait a sec, Shamita. Who's Ambika? Is she like your great aunt or something?
1: No, but her cake was delicious. A giant mixture of ice and tropical fruit.
0: Not my dream dessert, but anyway, each to their own.
1: Now, although the party sounds like it would be okay, I just couldn't help but wonder if she was actually enjoying it. Well, maybe you should have
0: just asked her, Shamita. Who is this Ambika person? I really want to know.
1: Okay,
2: do you want some clues, Carl? Yes, please. They walk on four kind of stumpy legs, and they're grey, and they have big ears. They have a trumpet. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Hang on. You're talking about an elephant? and Bika is an elephant? Yep. She's an elephant. Wow. I was always hoping Short and Curly would make a show about elephants one day. I just, I love elephants. They are such amazing creatures. So big and strong and smart and loud. Just like me.
1: Well, you're right on one count there, Carl. You're really,
0: really loud. Hey, but where did you meet an elephant, Shumita?
1: I took a trip to the National Zoo in Washington, D.C. I got to meet her and some of her keepers. One of my coworkers like liked
3: to say, they're not human, but they're people. They have personalities. <laughs> very strong individual personalities. They're very complex creatures.
0: Elephants are not humans, but they are people? That's a kind of cool idea. But look, I, I still don't get why you seem upset by Ambika's birthday party.
1: Oh, there's a whole list of things I'm kind of worrying about. Like what? Like, did Ambika want to have a birthday party? I mean, do elephants celebrate things? And if they do, would it be like our idea of a party?
0: Yeah, I I guess I've never thought about that.
1: Plus, Ambika's been living her whole life in one zoo where humans control almost everything that happens to her.
0: But it sounds like many of those humans love her.
1: Yes, that's true. And so today on the show, I want to take a look at whether elephants should even be in zoos or not. Huh.
0: Well, that, that sounds pretty fun.
1: But I think there are some bigger questions here, too. What do you mean? Like like what? Like, how do we know what an elephant wants? How can we know whether they enjoy their life in a zoo?
0: Okay, right. And, and what makes an elephant's life good?
1: Right, Exactly. I mean, how can we understand Ambika the Elephant when we can't even talk to her?
0: Okay, Shamita, let's find out more about Ambika the Elephant.
1: And what it's like to live in a zoo.
2: Hello, and today you're listening... Short, you're listening to Short and Curly. And Curly. Yay! Short and Curly! Curly, 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 Short Curly, 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 Curly. Short and Curly. Mm-hmm.
0: Shumita, you said Ambika just turned 70 years old. That's really old for an elephant, isn't it?
1: Yeah, especially for an Asian elephant. And apparently she's become really sassy in her old age.
0: Uh, Did you say sassy or or gassy? Well,
1: there's gas too, but I was talking to one of her keepers. Her name is Marie Galloway. She's been working with Ambika for 30 years now.
0: 30 years? That's older than you or I are. Yeah,
1: it is. Uh, Marie said Ambika listens and understands directions, but as she's gotten older... She likes to just ignore her keepers.
0: (laughs) Like, ignores her on purpose? Yeah,
1: Marie thinks it's totally on purpose.
3: So, I talk about an emotion, I swear that elephant laughs. She just gets a look on her face. Really? And it looks almost like a smile, and it's a little bit open mouth, and you know you just did something stupid. <laughs> and she's laughing at you. Oh, yeah. It's a sassy
0: elephant. No, oh, yeah, you're describing. She's, very she's, sassy. She's behavior. full of spit and vinegar. <laughs> okay, let's back up a minute. How exactly did Ambika end up in the National Zoo? Has she been there for her whole life?
1: No, she was born in the wild in India. But when she was only about eight years old, just a little baby elephant...
0: (gasps) Like with the cute, fuzzy, fluffy hair?
1: (laughs) Yes, with the cute, fuzzy, fluffy hair. Adorable. She was captured, and she was trained to carry wood. Wait, what? It's a common thing, training elephants to do manual labor. Really? Yeah, I mean, when I go to India to visit my grandmother, even in the big cities... I sometimes see elephants. They're walking around in the streets along with the cars, and usually they're carrying a bunch of heavy things.
0: Huh, so they're like working elephants, then?
1: Yeah, it's a bit like how some people use donkeys or horses to cart around people and help plow fields.
0: So uh, wouldn't moving from there to the zoo have been a nice change for Ambika?
1: In a lot of ways, yeah. When we visited the elephant kitchen with all of these giant containers full of fruits and vegetables. Yum. And you know what else they eat, Carl? What's that? Hey.
0: Uh, hey, Shumita. No, hey. Hi. Are you going to tell me what else elephants eat? Carl, they eat hay, you know? Like straw. Oh, (laughs) hay. Why didn't you just say so? (sighs) Forget it. Okay, so the keepers give Ambika all that food every day... But that's not all they give her there, right?
1: Yeah. The National Zoo, they also give them a place to sleep. They have all this outdoor space to roam around. Cool. And when I was there the other day, I got to go behind the scenes and see the elephant barn.
0: (gasps) I bet it was really smelly.
1: Well, on a scale of zero to hold your nose, it was surprisingly unsmelly. Cool. And that's probably because there were so many keepers running around and shoveling poop and cleaning up. And I got there right after breakfast time, so the elephants were getting ready for their morning baths.
0: Right, I'm picturing enormous bubble baths, white robes, maybe like some scented candles. (sighs)
1: Carl, no, they just use a huge hose. And the whole time, the zookeeper gives the elephant directions, like turn around and pick up your foot. And then at this view, we can see um, different angles of her cuticles and nails, the bottom of her foot.
0: So it really helps us take care of her feet, um, which are very important for the overall care for elephants. Wait, so that elephant was getting a pedicure? (laughs)
1: Pretty much, yeah. Elephants have
0: toenails. Well, it kind of sounds like Ambika has pretty much everything she needs there at the zoo.
1: She is cared for, definitely, but are these the things that give an elephant a good life?
0: Well, I don't know.
1: I mean, if we could somehow ask Ambika, what would she say?
0: Now, on Short and Curly, we want our listeners to have their own thoughts and ideas – And to have the time to make up your own minds about some of these curly questions. So, in a second, you'll be able to pause the show if you like to think about or talk about this question. You ready? What do you think an elephant needs for a good life? And how can we, as
1: humans, figure that out? Hit pause now.
0: Now, every episode, we'll hear from schoolchildren across the country or sometimes around the world, and we call them our brains trust.
2: So I think they need three essentials, food, water and shelter. And then they they don't need this, but I think for a really nice life, they probably want uh, to be in a group of elephants. If like an elephant wants you to do something, you're not going to understand it because you don't really know what they're saying because they can't really talk. Okay, if it was a reptile, reptiles would normally need different things because they're cold-blooded, and we wouldn't fully understand what all reptiles need. But the reason we probably would have a better knowledge of how we would know what an elephant needs is because it's a mammal. And I guess us mammals can relate to other mammals. I think you don't actually know what that creature wants because like, the creature is not you, so you can't decide for them. I think elephants will need a high population of female elephants. Like, if an elephant had birth and his child was struggling to stand up, other female elephants would come and help the child stand up. They're always there for each other and maintains order. Girl power.
0: Shamita, if elephants believe in girl power, do you think they're big fans of Beyoncé?
1: Who Who run run the world? world? (laughs) Well, you know, in the wild, Carl, elephant groups are usually led by one older female.
0: But some of the other kids in our brains trust seem to think that we just have no way of telling what an elephant wants, or if they like Beyonce.
1: Which is kind of what the keepers told me at the National Zoo. I want to know more about
3: elephants and their feelings. How do we know what elephants are feeling? We don't know what elephants are feeling. The only way I know how you're feeling is based on what you tell me. Um, But I can make some pretty good guesses after working with them for 30 years. um, And, or I shouldn't say guesses, they're really... Uh, based on what, how I see them behave and what they're looking like, I can give you a pretty fair estimate of what they're probably feeling. So what does it look like when an elephant is happy,
1: or how do you know if an elephant is happy?
3: Well, a content elephant is generally has gently flapping ears, their tails swaying back and forth. They're never really still. Sometimes you'll see them communicating. You'll see the, the portion of their head between their eyes that'll just start to vibrate, and mm. they're often communicating when they do that. Very often, it might be a greeting. If their ears, if you come in in the morning and their ears start flapping furiously and their heads bulb up like that, and they will usually, it's a greeting. And if they start to pee, it's an even better greeting.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah. So, not too dissimilar to humans. They pee when they, you know, they're excited to see someone. Okay, so let me get this straight. Ambika has great food, mm-hmm. pedicures, yeah. her keepers seem to love her, mm-hmm. and they seem to understand what she likes when she's happy.
1: Well, yeah, but...
0: She's just had a great birthday party, she's lived a long life, uh-huh. so I don't get why you're worried about her. I think we're going to need some help from our very own philosopher, Jen Morton, from the City College of New York. Dr. Jen, is it possible to understand things that aren't us?
4: Well, first, we might want to think about whether it's possible to even understand other human beings and how we do that. Like, How do I know what's going on inside the minds of Shumita and Carl?
0: Well, it's all crazy up here for me. That's a deep question, Dr. Jen.
4: But with human beings, we sort of assume that because we share a language and we share similar bodies and we live in a society together that— Roughly what's going on in your mind is not that different from what's going on in my mind. But with elephants, that's a really difficult leap to make because elephants have very different physical bodies. Uh, They live in very different environments. They don't have a language that they share with us. Um, And so to draw the conclusion that they have things going on in their minds that are like what we have going on in our minds, is is quite a huge leap. But Jen, even
1: if we can figure out what makes an elephant happy enough to flap its ears,
4: is that the same as a good life? For us human beings, happiness is not necessarily enough to make a good life. We often care about more than that. Is this true of elephants? We might be tempted to conclude that Elephants also care about more than their happiness, and we're applying our own standards, our own ways of seeing things, to animals.
1: Awesome. Thanks so much, Jen. We'll talk to you later
4: <laughs> Carl,
0: what are you doing? Oh, sorry i'm just I'm just trying to get into that mindset of being an elephant. so I'm imagining what it's like blowing a trumpet. Is it helping? No, not really.
1: Okay. Look, Carl, I guess even though elephants can be really well looked after in places like zoos, what really gets to me is just how different the life of an elephant in the wild is from one that lives in the zoo.
0: You mean because they have fewer pedicures and fruitsicles?
1: Well, not just that, Carl. You see, Ambika's an Asian elephant, and so her ancestors lived in the jungle in India.
0: (sighs) Yeah, I feel like I'm there. It's hot and steamy and... Oh, there, there are bugs everywhere.
1: Well, this is their home. They live here in herds of up to 12 elephants.
0: Right, like you said, the mums and the babies stick together.
1: Yeah, and researchers believe that they form these really strong bonds. And they communicate by making this kind of vibrating humming sound. Oh, and of course by trumpeting. That's sort of what it would have been like for an elephant like Ambika. She would have been in the wild with all that space and her herd to hang out with. And who knows, at her age, she might have even
0: been leading her herd. But Ambika lives with other elephants at the zoo now, right? Sure,
1: there's five other elephants there. They're not her family and they're not even from the same place, but Marie, the zookeeper, she said those other elephants are really important to
3: Ambika. She really um, enjoys the companionship of other elephants and of her human counterparts as well, her human co-workers. Do you ever think in your day to
1: day about what the lives of these elephants would have been like if they were
3: in their natural environment? Oh, absolutely. Any good zookeeper worth their salt sometimes questions what we do. Another thing I will say about keeping elephants in zoos is we are freedom is a very abstract thought. To me, I wonder often what an elephant thinks and how they think, even more than what they think. But do they do they stand around and do they think abstract things? I don't really think they think about freedom. I think a Mm -hmm. that as long as those needs are met, I see them content and satisfied and even enjoying their lives.
0: See, Shumita, maybe elephants don't really think about the difference between living in the zoo and being free. But how would we know either way? We're not elephants. And meanwhile, outside of zoos, Shumita, elephants' natural habitats are shrinking.
1: Yeah, elephants aren't always safe there from poachers and hunters.
0: And I heard there are fewer than 50,000 Asian elephants left in the whole world.
1: Wow. Well, maybe it isn't such a bad thing for Ambika to live in the zoo.
0: Why don't we just stop and think about that for a moment with our next question?
1: Which is, what do you think about having elephants in the zoo? Hit pause now.
0: Our marvellous herd of Brains Trust pachyderms has some thoughts on this one too.
1: We asked them about the pros and cons of elephants being in zoos.
2: I think if I was an elephant, I might like to be in a zoo because I would get the proper care. Like, I think they should be free, but then if they're in zoos, they have less chance of being, like, poked, and so we have more. But then that takes their real life away and how they really act. My cousin, he works with the elephants at the Tulsa Zoo, and so I know that they have good care because he's really good. They bring in animals that are sick and, like, hurt, and they help them and they heal them. And they make them better.
4: Elephants, and not just elephants, like every animal, they have a specific place they were made for, and they should be there. They have very large social groups, and they just belong in large open spaces.
2: But in a way, it's, like, better for them because then they make sure that they're eating. In the wild, they might not get enough food.
3: You can find food outside. They would be able to survive Like, even if you love them or not, they're still trapped. So
2: Also, we're going to get irritated by just being there and, like, just every day is the same routine.
4: We see zoos as, well, zoos, but probably what the animals
2: see is a prison. If we go to a zoo, we're watching them, and we're kind of trying to get entertained from the silly moments or whatever happens to them. Imagine if you were in this room, just locked in here, and you were given food, and you were stared at by animals. You wouldn't like that. But then when you think about an animal, you're like, but we're above animals. But we really aren't.
0: Shamita, what that one kid said about zoos being like a prison for animals, that's so scary. I yeah. never thought of it that way. I
1: mean, a lot of kids seem to think that the lives elephants lead in zoos are totally different to their natural lives, and not always in a good way.
0: Wow, let's see what Shorten Curly's very own ethicist, Dr. Jen Morton, thinks about what all those students had to say.
4: So one idea seemed to be that elephants shouldn't be in zoos because they need more space, they should be around other elephants from their own herd. And I think here the students were thinking that elephants weren't really as happy as they could be in the Sioux. So it really was the concern for the elephant's happiness that made them think that the Sioux wasn't a good idea. The second idea seems to be that elephants don't belong in zoos because that's not where they're naturally supposed to be. And this is quite an interesting idea. It really says that there are certain ways that nature is that we want to preserve, not because it makes us happy or it makes the elephants happier necessarily, but just because it's good for nature to be that way.
0: But what about if Ambika was going to die in her natural environment? Would we still want her to stay there then?
4: So if we really think that there is value to nature as such, to nature staying the way it is, and Ambika's natural environment is one in which she might die, then yes, we have to accept that that's the natural order of things. But this might give you pause. Do we really care about Ambika being in her natural environment, even if it means that she'll have a worse life?
0: So, Jen, we've been thinking about what would make for a good life for elephants. But when you think about it, if we were to take that question and apply it to humans, what would make a good life for humans— it'd be pretty difficult to answer because each individual would have different things that they'd want or need. So are we ever actually going to figure out what would make a good life for something as strange as an elephant?
4: Philosophers have spent hundreds of years trying to figure out what a good life for a human being is, and we still have a lot of disagreement. So I think you're right, Carl, that it would be even harder to figure it out for an elephant, especially because... We can't really talk to them, and we have no idea how to see things from an elephant point of view. What the Kids in the Brains Trust were worried about, I think, is that in a zoo, human beings are deciding what a good elephant life is like, and we can't be sure that we have it right.
0: Thanks, Dr. Jen Morton from City College of New York. Yeah, and I guess sometimes you just can't solve big problems all by yourself.
4: Yeah, I
0: suppose so. But what if... Yeah. What if we could just start from scratch? What do you mean? I mean, if elephants had complete control over the world, (laughs) how would they redesign things to make sure that maybe elephants and humans could live alongside each other peacefully?
1: Ooh, I like that. Elephants in complete control for a change. That's a great question for you listening. What would you do?
0: How would you redesign the world if you were an elephant?
1: You might want to stop and pause the show to think about it
0: or chat about it with those around you.
4: Hit pause now.
0: Look, I think to get myself in the right sort of frame of mind, I think I better just head home and put on my elephant onesie.
1: Okay, Carl. But before you leave, a big thanks to our super lovely and really thoughtful Brains Trust today. They were the students from IS-318 in Brooklyn, Cleveland Middle School in Oklahoma, and also the Environmental Charter Middle School in Englewood, Los Angeles. Great job, guys. We really love talking to you for this show.
0: If you want to help others discover our show, you should write us a little review on iTunes. Just make sure to check with your parents or guardians and then jump online.
1: Yeah, we really love reading all of your comments and emails.
0: And there's one thing we really want you to write into us about for this episode. A special extra bonus question.
1: And the question is, if you invented a super cool, magical translator that let you talk to elephants, what would be the first thing you'd ask them?
0: just head to Short and Curly's website, Google us, and then scroll to the bottom of our page and click the link that says Write to Short and Curly. So what would you ask them, Shamita?
1: I think I'd want to know, do you dream at
0: night? Maybe I'd ask them if, like, when they're marching together, whether they sing, like, a song to stay in time or anything like they do in The Jungle Book.
1: I'd want to ask them, have you ever fallen in love?
0: Maybe I'd ask them if they thought they were, like, the boss of the jungle.
1: I would ask them, do you like knock-knock jokes?
0: I might see if they had any clues about, like, what early humans were like, or if they knew woolly mammoths. So is that a no, then? (sighs) I cannot wait until someone invents that animal translating device.
2: Special season of Short and Curly was a team effort between Australia and the United States. Yay! Team Carl is from ABC Audio Studios, part of the very grown-up sounding Australian Broadcasting Corporation. Corporation, Corporation, Corporation. And Team Shemita is from WNYC Studios in the Big Apple, New York City! The creator and series producer of Short and Curly is Kyla Slarvin. The executive producers of our Cross-Atlantic Adventure are Emily Botine and Ian Walker. Our sound engineers are Isaac Jones, Hamish Camilleri, and Jolin Camilleri. Production support from Sarah Sandback and Bridget Berger. And Amy Pearl is just plain awesome. I find that funny.
0: Amy Pearl is just plain awesome. Hey, and also, we got to thank the big bosses. These two people made our adventure to New York possible. Kelly Reardon, head of ABC Audio Studios, and Dean Capello, head of WNYC Studios. And finally, if you're curious to hear the slightly different American version of these episodes, just go to picklepodcast.com. That's pickle, P-I-C-K-L-E, podcast.com.